We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association ND. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome back to another episode of the Rotowire DFS podcast sponsored by FanDuel. I'm your host, Joe Pizzapia. Joining me again for Friday is Sergeant McKechnie, who's, hey. uh, whose ego is writing <laughs> checks his body can't cash. What's up, John McKechnie here with us from Rotowire. How's it going, John? Going great. You know, the O's just uh, won a game in which Zach Britton actually pitched in Toronto, so I'm in a <laughs> very good mood. I can't believe you said that. I just finished up on the radio, Zinga. and I literally said the same. I was like, oh, it's nice to see Zach Britton pitching in Toronto nowadays. Uh, lovely. It? So great minds think alike there. And uh, if you listen to the podcast the other day, uh, I was very bullish on Luis Severino as a tournament play, and he struck out 11 guys, and Francisco Liriano, I liked him. We had a polarization. Doug, Doug did not, and I liked Liriano, and although he did not get the win, the double-digit strikeouts certainly were nice. So we are doing good things here, and I'll go. give out my Venmo account if uh, anybody won money and like to send some my way for all that good <laughs> stuff. So John and I are back at it right now, and we are going to break down the slate for you on Friday. We do have some early games. So let's get that out of the way first and just kind of talk about that. It's only two games on the early slate. You've got the uh, – just loop it all together and just play, or do you leave the early slate out when there's two games here? Uh, I had a little bit of luck with that earlier in the week with it with a much smaller slate. Um, but I think a lot of the times it, it, I mostly do that just to kind of keep myself entertained at the office when, when we have the games on. It's like, okay, might as well get in on, in, in on the action a little bit here. Uh, but what I've noticed from what the rest of the slate looks like is that this could be a way uh, to get some hitters that, that have slightly more favorable matchups than what we're seeing uh, with the nighttime slate. Uh, where we have, you know, it's aces everywhere as opposed right. to last week where we, we could barely come up with one competent pitcher to go out there. But, uh, you know, <laughs> it was tonight, ugly we, last last time we was, met. It was an ugly, oof. ugly slate. That's for sure. Yeah, I think Liriano is the highest price guy at 8000 This This time around, we, we got the Kershaw slate. So uh, there are going to be hitters with, with a lot more favorable matchups if you want to play the all-day slate. But I'm not necessarily uh, inclined to play this mini two two-game slate. 
So you got the Pirates and Cubs and then the Phillies and Nationals. I apologize earlier. I had it all loaded up here and then I went over and it was gone. I hate when it I hate when games just disappear gone. from me. And <laughs> it's gone. Uh so let's get down and break down some of these uh pitchers because as you mentioned, it's we're on that ace slate again. We had that turnaround and now we're back again where you got a lot of big pitchers. So you got Clayton Kershaw, top of the board at twenty uh excuse me, twelve thousand six hundred, Noah Syndergaard at eleven thousand two hundred. Uh, Steven Strasburg at 9.9. If you're looping him in the early slate, Granky at 9.6. So when you're looking at this grouping here, uh, I know Kershaw up there. I, I, I get that everybody wants Kershaw. He's going against an Arizona team, though, that's, you know, hit well so far this year. So just keep that in mind. But I definitely prefer Syndergaard and saving the $1,400. How about you? If you're going to go for that big cash game pitcher, do you go all the way up to Kershaw? Or do you like the fate of the Syndergaard there? I really like the the move to Syndergaard there. That I mean, that fourteen hundred dollars is huge, especially on a night where where uh, good hitting is going to be a little bit harder to come by, and you, you're going to need to pay up in certain spots a little bit more. So I think that that extra salary that you get by using Syndergaard, who's you know just so dominant right now, uh, you know, pretty much the hardest thrown pitcher uh, starter in the league right now, going against Miami, who's uh, actually having an excellent game in their own right tonight, you know, putting up some numbers on the Mets here. But at the same time, I think I think Syndergaard would be my pick amongst these top four guys. I'm surprised to see Granky priced uh, so high. I guess it makes sense considering that that tier that's right underneath him. But it seems like a, a bit of a slingshot up. For you know, he had a nice start in his last time out. Didn't look so good as on uh, opening day. What do you make of Granky here? Well, yeah, I was thinking the same thing. I thought that Granky would be lower too, especially considering that he's going against Kershaw. So I think they might have mm-hmm. tried to, you know, if he was around 8,500, that might be more tempting. But for him at 96, I mean, that that's kind of a big leap of faith for me. I'm just not there yet personally, uh, especially if you can give me Kyle Hendricks at 9,000. Uh, I look at him against the Pittsburgh team where I do think that team is prone to strike out from oh, yeah. times. And I think that Garrett Cole so far has not blown the doors off of anybody. So I'm not really, you know, Kyle Hendricks is not the big sexy guy. He's not the, uh, you know, 10 strikeout kind of effort, but Kyle Hendricks is a guy that's going to give you quality starts. He's a guy that's going to keep you in line for the win and a guy who's going to pitch a good ball game. So I look at him and I also look at Johnny Cueto at 9,002 yes. and there's a lot of possibilities there. Uh, you know, you don't have to, you know, go all the way to the top if you're having trouble. And I got to tell you, when putting a lineup together, I was having trouble going up all the way to the top of some of these guys, getting the players I want. We're going to talk about a little later some of these, you know, offensive opportunities because there's some big offensive names I'd like to pay for. But let's talk about some of the GPP plays in terms of some of these pitchers. Now, the one that popped out to me right away was Julio Tehran. Yep. I know that Atlanta has gotten off to a bad start, but Tehran is another solid pitcher. He's got a matchup at home against the Padres. What are your thoughts on Tehran at 8,500? You know, like you said about the uh, Britain uh, thought about Toronto earlier, I, he was, Tehran was the first guy that jumped out to me when looking at this, you know, because there are so many huge name pitchers uh, going to going tonight, but Tehran going against the Padres at home. Uh, it's the first game at, at the new ballpark for Atlanta. A bunch of my friends are going. They're all very excited. I think Tehran is off to about as sharp of a start as, as you could have hoped for. And, you know, the Padres, outside of outside of Will Myers and, and uh, Margot, there's really a lot of strikeout opportunity within that lineup. Uh, and, you know, who he's facing, he's facing Chassin. You hope that the Braves could push – and like maybe three runs across and that'd be all that Tehran needs and with that I think that Tehran definitely stands out above the rest of these guys uh, from that sort of GPP tier 
What about Dallas Keuchel? He's going in Oakland. Uh, he's had two good starts of the year. Also, not big strikeout totals, but he's come away with you know big time points anyway. Twenty nine plus in each of those first outings. But I'm looking at Keuchel. He's got a lineup against Graveman. He's in Oakland, which is a good you know pitcher friendly ballpark. Do you think that that's a, a maybe one that's a little bit off the beaten path, or does he scare you because that strikeout rate is not quite as reliable as some of these other guys? Yeah, the the strikeouts is certainly something to worry about here. And I've also noticed that uh, you know I did some some digging into old fan graphs, went down uh, that rabbit hole, and and found that you know he's <laughs> and he's you're in still the top... here tonight. That's really impressive <laughs> that you still made it out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I even remember to check my email, everything. But Keiko, uh, as as far as like your ERA minus FIP, uh, he's at a minus two ninety eight, which is uh, among like the biggest. Uh, margins in in Major League Baseball, so his ERA is a lot better than really what it should be right now. Uh, his still still his FIP is at is at three point six three, so that's still a pretty solid mark. But um, I don't think that necessarily his performance from from thus far in the season is completely bankable at this point. I still have a little bit of questions about him, and you know. Oakland's got some right-handed power, you know, Chris Davis and Healy, uh, guys that can take advantage of a guy that, that uh, isn't really pumping in mid-90s fastballs. So you've got Adalberto Mejia, you've got Dylan Colvey going head-to-head. Now there's some weather oh, possibly baby. at play here, but I know it's in Minnesota too, but, you know, the White Sox, uh, you know, scored our lens tonight. The Minnesota offense has had some moments here in the early going. I'm um, looking at some of those as – possible offensive places you want to go. I also, I can't get off of Tommy Malone in Cincinnati. I mean, the (laughs) fact that Tommy Malone is still kicking around, this is a guy that, you know, I would be running to try to get hitters against just because he's just so inefficient. He's, he's not a guy that's dominant. He's never been a guy that's going to blow you away. So the fact that he's possibly available in great American ballpark, is there another guy that you're trying to target or those really the guys that you're saying, okay, let's get some bats from these teams here. Yeah, it really is like Milwaukee. Milwaukee comes out and they they see Cincinnati's Bronson Arroyo and they're like, oh yeah, oh yeah, we'll bring out Tommy <laughs> Malone here. Let's you see what you got bad. here, guys. Yeah, that's right. Oh wow, I'll see your Bronson Arroyo well, and I'll, I'll raise you with crap. Tommy Malone. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's pretty impressive. So uh, is is a uh, is basically Joey Votto like a must start now today? Is that what we're looking at? Yes, I, I like pretty much anybody in in both of these lineups because I don't really trust Scott Feldman's success from earlier in the season either and and going back to that uh, Minnesota game uh, I think I'm gonna try to lock in Sano everywhere you're gonna have to watch the weather I think yeah, uh, up in Minnesota too. which is always an issue this time of season but you know Kobe making his big league debut I'll, I'll get to this in a second here but you know the White Sox their their bullpen might be a little bit taxed you know uh, Miguel Gonzalez only went four and two-thirds uh, on Thursday so that means that they, they've had to roll out a bunch of relievers and if Kobe you know only gives them four innings or something you know that, that there's going to be a lot of advantage uh, for Minnesota here but uh, back to my back to my point on him do you see this as a bit of an Amir Garrett trap where where we just have no one has the book on Kobe yet and thus maybe he'll he'll kind of sneak up on the Minnesota batters not in my mind, and that's really because of my thoughts on Amir Garrett uh, in the fantasy black book this year, which is uh, you know, uh, which is my work. I I'm very high on Amir Garrett. I've been for a couple years now. I think he's a guy that's hit every level of the minor leagues and performed very well. I I think that what you also see he pitches with a lot of energy, and I think that's infectious to the rest of his team. Mm-hmm. He's got a good strikeout rate. 
Uh, last year, he fatigued a little bit at the end of the season. That's why that walk rate got a little high. He just kind of got tired. So I don't look at Kovey and Amir Garrett anywhere near in the same sentence. Okay. Uh, but that is certainly a good thing because you don't know. You Sometimes out of the gate, these guys will have that you know one or two starts. I mean, heck, look at what Jimmy Nelson did last night. I mean, this mm-hmm. is a, Jimmy Nelson I basically left for dead coming into this year. And I picked him up last week. And I thought, oh, where's he starting this week? Oh, Cincinnati. Oh, there's no way I could start him there. That's that's like lighting myself on fire. But, <laughs> you know, he pitched well. And that's, um, you know, some guys do turn corners. And, you know, sometimes talent does win out. You know, you mentioned Sano. So let's jump right to third base. Donaldson left uh, with an injury again to that calf. Right. You've got Nolan Arenado uh, with a tough matchup against Cueto, but it's still Arenado. And, you know, Todd Frazier out with an illness yesterday too. question whether or not he's going to be in there. You got Beltre out still. Miguel Sano is certainly looking like a huge lineup builder. Now I know the weather's an issue, but I think his ownership will actually be more appealing because of that. They'll probably do everything they can to get this game in. I would imagine here mm-hmm. to start it off. And as long as you, you get the sense they're going to play this game. And if you, you know, check all the way up to lineup, I think Miguel Sano at 3,400 so far in the year is, is a slam dunk right now at this position. Absolutely. And, you know, looking at looking at hard hit right now, uh, he's right be- right behind Paul Goldschmidt as far as uh, hard hit percentage. He's 12th in the majors, uh, hitting 52.9% of, it, of his batted balls are, are going for hard contact there. So, I mean, he's obviously a guy that, that's locked in. He looks so much better this year uh, than he did last year. So I, I'm completely in on him, uh, provided that they do get this game in. And I think, you know, like you mentioned, they're going to at least give it a try. Yeah, I, I, I'm thinking that as well. That's just kind of where I'm going here. Now, I'm not a big fan of his, but we're going to bring it up anyway because he's off to a pretty good start to the season. That's Eugenio Suarez, a guy that struggles against righties, but against lefties, he does hit them relatively well. He offers you some power and speed, and he's, like I said, starting a hot April just like last year. Is that another guy that maybe enters into the conversation at third base for you? I imagine that he's just not hes not going to be highly owned. I just don't think that – uh, at the, at this stage, he, he's re, people really are trusting it, and I'm not even sure that I'd completely trust that. He's well, I wouldn't keep, either. Keep, I mean, this no. is a guy that hit. I, I think his slugging was 337 or something like that mm-hmm. against righties last year. So that's a problem. But with the lefty matchup, and it's Tommy Malone. It's not just mm-hmm. any lefty. <laughs> I mean, see, see, so we could be getting a you know a couple of reds into our lineup here, and really building an effective stack to to uh, bring down Tommy Malone. I think that that's really what what made me even want to bring up Suarez in this context here is just that the matchup is, is, is one to target, especially considering, uh, you know, the, the really tough pitchers that all these other elite third basemen are going to be facing. All right, let's dial it back a second and let's go back to some of the catchers. Uh, where are you looking for right now? I mean, obviously you want to stick with Cincinnati if, if Barnhart's in there, but what about Travis Darno? Is that a guy that you might pick out there against the lefty? And, and if so, is, is Flores another one that you want to add to that group? I, yes, I, I, Flores is always a guy to, to think about for for a lefty. But yeah, Darno, uh, he's off to a good start. I think he hit a, a triple uh, on Thursday night, so he he's been you know producing well over the course of this week. Um, I just think that a lot of these other really top top of the line catchers, uh, guys like Luke Croy going against King Felix, uh, Gary Sanchez is obviously out. Um, there's just I think you really need to kind of go to the go to that second tier, cut in the bargain area uh, as far as your catchers are concerned for for this Friday slate. So I, I think you know Darno twenty eight hundred. You don't feel awesome about it, but you you feel pretty good about uh, the idea of him uh, getting a, getting on base at least a few times against Adam Conley. 
basically trying to find a guy who's not going to kill you, right? I mean, yep. a good return on investment potential, not going to kill you. That's usually what you want out of catcher, especially right now when the big name catchers like the Posies are banged up, like Gary Sanchez on the DL. So not a lot of options there either. And that's been kind of a difficult thing here in the early going. Now, I know we're talking about the Reds a lot, and I know it's – you know, a little chalky, but you know, sometimes the easy answer is the right answer. So mm-hmm. sometimes when you overthink, you try to get cute, bad things happen. Uh, first base, I was shocked to see Joey Votto at 3,800. I thought he would have been easily over four grand with this matchup. Not the case. Uh, Anthony Rizzo at the top of the board. Will Myers as well. Now, Myers is another guy off to a terrific start here. He's going against Teheron. Uh, <sighs> Can you justify the the Will Myers ownership at 39, or is that just too expensive tonight uh, at first base with so many big pitchers on the board? I think that that Myers is is really the only threat to get on base uh, against Tehran. So I, I don't really see an issue of him, uh, you know, getting maybe two base hits off him or a single in a in a walk. But I don't trust any of those Padres that are hitting behind him to get him in, uh, or and really not that many guys to be on base for when he gets up to bat. So I think just the game context of this one uh, with Tehran going on the hill, it's just going to you know crush the rest of that Padres lineup. So he's really you know a one-man band here. And I think that 3900 when you can go down $100, go to the other side or go to the other dugout here and get Freddie Freeman uh, going against Chassin, lefty-righty. Uh, I think Freeman is is absolutely my my best play as far as your your higher priced uh, first baseman. I totally see what you mean with Votto too, but Freeman stands out to me uh, from this group. I'll tell another guy who had a good night last night. Finally woke up, had two hits, drove in a run, scored two runs, had a walk, and is facing a lefty, and that's the right-handed Jose Abreu for twenty eight hundred. There's a guy that you know I think some people are leaving for dead, and they should not. Uh, weather could potentially be an issue as we discussed, but at the same time. Uh, Jose Abreu is a guy that, you know, is one of the most professional hitters in baseball. Yep. So if he's starting to come alive a little bit, we've seen this with Abreu too. When he gets hot, he gets hot. Uh, and he stays hot for a few games. So Jose Abreu is another one where if you're looking to try to roster a Kershaw and you want to try to roster uh, a Syndergaard, you're going to have to look for some of these guys under 3K. And that's one that I really like a lot. Let's go to second base. You got Jose Altuve, obviously top of the board, 3,900. Daniel Murphy, 38. Dozier 37. We've already talked about how Minnesota and we like Dozier and then all these other guys there. I would certainly be looking at Dozier if I wanted to spend up there. That's my guy. Who's your guy to spend up at second base if you're looking in a cash game? Yeah, Dozier makes a ton of sense to me here. Altuve does as well. Odor, I'm not not so sure about him going against Felix. Um, and one one guy that's a among these top six or so uh, second basemen that I'm probably staying off of is Cano. Uh, not necessarily that that Martin Perez is particularly scary to me, but I just don't like Cano against lefties. And you know he's priced at a you know a reasonable point at 3,400. But at the same time, I, if I'm going if I'm going to go for these top echelon guys, I think. Dozier would be the one but if I wanted to sh- downshift a little bit uh, towards like the 3000 range I'm going to go back to the Matt Carpenter well going against Tanaka who obviously is off to a bit of a rough start what about in terms of, uh, in terms of the cheaper guys out there is a guy like let's say Devin Travis on your radar I know he's off to an awful start uh, but he's got Wade Miley on he's the mound Miley, so. and if anything can get you right in life it's Wade Miley you know, That's when you're sure. in a slump, you want to see Clay Buckholtz, you want to see Wade Miley, you want to see one of those guys out there. Uh, right now, I think that's a, it's a bit of a risk, but I'm looking at where he's fallen to, and I'm thinking to myself, you know, at home, it's going to turn around for him. Miley with the lefty on the mound certainly mm-hmm. would be the way I would think. 
is that too risky even the GPP right now with the way he's off to such a slow start hitting under 100 so far in the year or does that make him ripe with opportunity when do you gauge that John when do you say you know what he's hit rock bottom I've got to go out there and give him a shot or when is the thinking you know what he's so ice cold right now until he shows me a glimmer like Abreu showed you a little bit last night do you need that little bit to kind of reinforce that for you Generally, I do unless, uh, you know, I'm watching very specific games and I'm seeing how uh, player X is swinging the bat and, and it's like, okay, he's making outs, but he's, he's really squaring up the ball, in, w- in which case, you know, you can really kind of get an edge on the competition and find a guy that, is, that has been slumping in, as far as the box score is concerned. But, the, you know, the peripherals, the other things that you're, that you're actually seeing with your eyes tell you that he's about to, about to break out and turn around. I'm not sure that I've seen that from Travis. I have seen that from Jonathan Scope, uh, who uh, tonight hit hit a double, almost hit, almost went out of the yard. Uh, so that's two nights in a row uh, with with excellent FanDuel output output here. So obviously he has the tougher matchup between him and Travis, but at 2400 with what Scope is 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 starting to do, he looked completely lost as of a week ago or so. But now he looks more like the the vintage 2016 uh, Jonathan Scope. So I, I think among those two, if we're, if we're really going for those 2,400 guys kind of uh, going lottery ticket as far as our second baseman are concerned, uh, he would be my pick over Travis right now. Do you, do you really think that the, Travis is due for that turnaround? I think he is. And, and the only reason I'm entertaining the concept is because of Wade Miley. If this was anybody else on the mound, I feel like Miley's one of that those guys. Sense. Well, you know, there's just certain guys that, that are, are prone to getting beat up. And, and Miley's one of them, especially in that ballpark. If this was mm-hmm. somewhere else, I wouldn't necessarily go that. And I, don't, and I agree with you. I think if I have to choose, I'd rather go with Scope because for all the same reasons you said. And I do like a little bit of that, oh, look, he's waking up a little bit. That's why I'm very high on Abreu because I've seen Jose Abreu once everything clicks. We've seen him hit three home runs in a week. You know, he's one of those kind of guys. He's like Cespedes. Like he'll go on these like little, you know, kind of mini slumps, and all of a sudden, you know, he has a two-hit game, and then he takes off and, you know, just crushes it for a weekend. Shortstop, top of the board, Francisco Lindor, 4,100. Trey Turner, 37. Carlos Correa, 37. Aledmus Diaz, 36. And Gene Segura still doing with that hamstring issue. Uh, then you got Xander Bogarts at 33, and I'm looking at that as the value here where I'm saying Bogarts is usually up in that first tier or is it like a 3,500 match. Now, mm-hmm. I know he's got Chris Archer, but, you know, Xander Bogarts can hit anyone. I'm very confident in him. He's had double-digit outputs so far only twice this year, uh, but a little slow start to the year, some personal issues that he's missed some right. time. I'm looking at that as a basically asking for ownership, <laughs> really, 3,300. That's true. That I think you bring up a really several really good points there. So you know, obviously, he's also hitting at home. That you always like getting the Red Sox when they're at, when they're at Fenway. Uh, just crazy things seem to kind of happen in their favor out there. So I, I do like Bogarts a lot at thirty three hundred. Certainly more than uh, I would like a guy like Tulowitzki, who's just been uh, he's been fine to start the year, but you never know when things are going to tail off for him. Uh, Andrews. I'm not sure if I trust the the little power surge that he's had thus far, and he's at the same price. So I think Bogarts at 3,300 really is kind of a nice bargain, especially if you don't want to go to the top of board, top of the board here and get Lindor. Although I would say that that's justifiable among these four thousand dollar hitters. I do like Lindor. I think it's definitely justifiable. I think it's hard if you're play. I think he's a hard sell to me in cash games today because of Kershaw's ownership. Because when you get Syndergaard and Kershaw on the same slate and a couple of these other big-time guys, too, like even Equato and stuff like that. I feel like mm-hmm. 
skill set wise, Bogarts, Lindor, not that far off. Matchup wise, yeah, Lindor has a slightly better matchup, but I mean, Bogarts at home is certainly a very solid one too. You got to like uh, his chances to put up points. So I'm looking at that, and when you get it, for three hundred dollar difference, meh. But for eight hundred dollar difference, I think I'm willing to do that. Now, obviously, baseball is here, and don't get stranded out on first base without your RotoWire subscription. And don't miss out on this great offer because you can make your first deposit on FanDuel today, and you'll get a free six month RotoWire subscription. That's right, free. So go to FanDuel.com/RotoWire to claim it. You must be a new FanDuel user in order to be eligible, and users may only establish one FanDuel account. That's FanDuel.com slash rotowire so let's go to the outfield and talk about some of the big boys out there and some of the values that you're going to find here on friday top of the board as always mike trout 5100 strong mike trout but yoannis cespedes is in one of those yoannis cespedes moods right now it's 4200 this guy let's see he's got uh three home runs the other night against the phillies he's got two uh, two two on thursday so right now i'm looking at cespedes as red hot and and We've seen this before. I mentioned it a couple minutes ago. Cespedes is one of these guys gets on a tear, gets hot, stays hot. Are you riding the Cespedes wave at 4,200 or are you just saying, well, maybe I missed that, but gosh, he's got the matchup against the lefty and Connolly. Why not keep it rolling, right? No, let, let, let's keep it rolling. Until, until he has like a couple goose eggs in a row, I think that Cespedes is going to find his way into, into the majority of my lineups every single day until you know, like I said, until he starts to show me that it, that he's not just that sort of just juggernaut like he is right now, just pumping out home runs, just absolutely crushing everything, you know, 110 miles an hour plus off the bat, just dominating. So if if you are going expensive here, you know, Trout against a guy like Duffy, Duffy's pretty tough, even though he Trout does get the platoon advantage there. And Harper, obviously, if you're playing the earlier slate, you have, you'd have to consider him. Braun sitting at the same price. Uh, point and he he has a pretty favorable matchup as well going against Feldman but and Braun actually went yard on Thursday as well but Cespedes is is, is stands out to me as like the go-to uh, of these higher priced outfielders kind of surprised to see Mookie Betts with a slow start dropping all the way to 3,800 already that's a guy that's normally you know well over four grand in terms of salary so the slow start with him now he walked and got a hit yesterday so that's that's a positive things moving in the right direction I want to talk about Lorenzo Cain, too, because this is a guy off to a very hot start in terms of stolen base. He's got four steals already, stole his fourth last night. Um, And he's got a matchup against Ramirez. They're at home. I kind of like that Kansas City offense in this one today. They haven't been the Kansas City offense of years past. Right. But, you know, Hosmer's got off to a slow start. You know, a couple other guys not really with it, but... To me, Kane's been the one guy so far where I go, well, at least he's stealing bases and at least he's active. And, you know, with that activity comes points. Yeah, Kane's interesting because he's a guy that I think people overlook because that that team right now hasn't really gotten off to that start that we've seen in years past offensively. Um, And obviously Morales is gone there, so there goes a little bit of the power protection. But, you know, Kane is always hitting, I think, third there. So, uh, you know, that's obviously a pretty favorable spot in the lineup to be hitting. And uh, it looks like the the Royals offense uh, did kind of string some hits together Thursday night, I believe against the A's. So maybe they are waking up and turning a corner. And uh, really what I like about Kane here, along with that stolen base upside is in, in GPP formats, I don't see him being particularly highly owned. I think someone, you know, kind of throwing a lineup together, looking at other guys along this tier. Oh, Jay Bruce has hit a bunch of home runs. Oh, Mark Trumbo, he can always hit a home run. And they're right around that same 
price point, but I think Kane is going to get kind of uh, glossed over there. So I'm glad that you brought him up. He is. And you know what? He's homerless on the year, yet he still put up uh, double-digit points here. It looks like uh, – four of his last five games here, more than 13 points. So that that's something that at least you're building foundation in the lineups. And I think sometimes we forget that, you know, it's nice to have guys that are foundation builders. And if he's doing that without any big time offensive outputs, should he add on a home run? Should he add on, you know, a three for four day to this general production he's giving you all of a sudden, that's a really nice return there on investment. Go. Let's talk about Adam Duvall, another one of these Cincinnati bats here. We know Duvall has got serious power. We know he's the kind of guy who can certainly go for two dongs in one day. He's got the matchup, Tommy Malone, the lefty. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm sure the ownership's going to be high, but look, he had a stretch there last week too, where he put up 34, 22 and 27 uh, against Pittsburgh and St. Louis. And I'm looking at this one and saying, Adam Duvall, yes, please. All right. So I, I wasn't sure which direction you were going to go there. Oh, I thought you were going to oh, kind of yeah. pull the rug out from under me there no. and be like, I like all this stuff, but nah. No, no buts. There's no buts. When it comes to Tommy Malone, it's all feel-good story. <laughs> it's the yes. feel-good story of the day. And look, if we're wrong, we're wrong, but I'm willing to be wrong on this one. And yes. <laughs> I'm just sorry. I just am. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it would take, you know, some sort of cataclysmic event for Duval to, to go with a goose egg against against a guy like Tommy Malone. So, you know, in keeping with our with our theme of today, just just load on up on some reds wherever you can get the chance to do it. And obviously, thirty six hundred. Uh, there are worse. There are worse places to, to uh, get that from. What are your thoughts on Kyle Schwarber at 34? He's going against Garrett Cole, still hitting at the top of that order. And then you've got another guy at 34 as well, Nomar Mazzara, Michael Brantley. There's a couple guys here in this $3,400, $3,300 range. Uh, you know, Mazzara's had a red-hot start to the year. Uh, another big game last night uh, with a home run there, 22 points from him last night. Between Schwarber, Mazzara, and Carlos Gomez, who's, uh, again, uh, excuse me, uh, uh, Michael Brantley, who – uh, went yard also last night. Where mm-hmm. would you lean between the three of these guys in that price range? That's really tough, but I think right now Mazzara, I, tr- I trust the most. Uh, you know, he hits in the, in that part of the lineup where where there's the RBI potential. Whereas Schwarber, you know, I know that obviously the the back end of of the Cubs lineup is more potent in, in most lineups that we're going to see. So maybe there will be some ducks on the pond for him. And obviously, you love the ability of of excuse me, uh, guys like Bryant and Rizzo to, to bring Schwarber around, provided that he gets on base, which he generally does. But Mazzard's just off to that that hot start. He draws a platoon advantage here uh, against a guy like Felix, Felix Hernandez, who, you know, isn't the same guy. And, you know, you worried about uh, his first start. I think he straightened things out a little bit, but still uh, a little bit worried about him. So I think Mazzara uh, stands out to me the most. And Brantley, I'm so glad that he's starting to get back to being Michael Brantley. But until he... Uh, you know, does this for for a bit of a uh, a sample size more than just one game? I'm probably staying off of him relative to these other two guys. I don't think you can really go wrong with Schwarber or Mazzara, but I give the lean to Mazzara. Now, one more throwing out there, who's a bargain basement guy at 2400. I know he's been filling in for Gardner. Uh, is Hicks went yard twice? Twice. Uh, I mean, like you know, we we missed it. <laughs> okay. I took him out of my lineup on Thursday. Oh, I'm, I'm just crushing. kicking myself. And I had Cespedes and I had uh, Flores as well. So like, oh, I had could, Cespedes on that Philadelphia night the other night, and I took him out, and I just you know, <laughs> and I switched him out for Cruz, and it does hurt because you see that, and I, you know, and it just you know, it's hey, that's that's the nature of the beast. But are you going back to the well again, or was that did we just miss it, and that's over now? I mean, it's very possible that that it's over, but at the same time, and I'd be worried a little bit that 
you know, it, we see a little bit of a lemmings effect where, where everyone starts chasing these points that Hicks put up uh, Thursday against Tampa Bay, obviously the two home runs and, and hitting in the high spot in the order just for 2,400. You know, it seems almost like a little cheat code that you're putting into your lineup. And then he goes ahead, gets back in the two spot and strikes out three times, you know, so there you do run that risk by going to him. Uh, and you could certainly make the case for fading him, you know, in the event that he does that, because you can't really count on those two home runs, but going against Waka, he's got decent numbers against right-handers. I think he hits for more power against right-handers. So if he's up there, I'm going to at least consider him. I, I think, you know, considering that we're talking about putting in these, these higher price pitchers, uh, you're going to need to dip into this uh, end of the pool at some point in your lineup. And I think you could do a lot worse than a guy uh, in Yankee stadium uh, hitting left-handed uh, in that high spot in the order. Well, I think that's right. I think the volume is worth the risk uh, and, and the price. I think those combination of things, maybe you go to the well one more time. Maybe lightning does strike twice there. And it's not going to hurt you too much to find out. And on a night when we're talking where you're looking for guys that you could justify to have Kershaw in the lineup, that's mm-hmm. a guy that you could justify it. So you can follow him on Twitter at Johnny McKex. You can follow me at Joe Pizapia 17 for John McKechnie. I'm Joe Pizapia. This has been your Rotowire DFS podcast. Go have a great day of daily fantasy. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.